don't know about you, but I feel his presence here in this place today. Oh, thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Uh, let's turn in our Bibles today to Genesis. We're going to be in chapter number. We're going to be in chapter number 37 today. Genesis chapter number 37. We're going to be reading from the Lord's Word. You may remain standing for just, just a few more moments. We're going, to, we're going to read God's Word. We're going to give reverence to His Word. I'm so thankful for what I feel in my spirit today. I'm thankful for what God is doing in the hearts. I've received several testimonies over this past week. Say, Pastor, we, we really have been enjoying the series that you have put forward. And really, these are not my series. I, I set out for one message last week. God is building upon that. And that's what the Lord does. He just... He just uh, he knows what the body needs. Amen. And we are the body of Christ. Right. You might be the uh, pinky finger or the little toe. Nevertheless, you are part of the body of Christ and the Lord knows exactly what each one of us need. It's amazing how one message can go forward. And two people in the room can hear it in a different fashion via the Holy Spirit. Amen. One person's hearing it one sort of way that brings healing. Another person's hearing it another way. That's only done through the power of the Spirit of God. And so I, I don't know about you, but the Spirit of the Lord's been doing some tremendous stuff. And we're, we're going to be in what I have called uh, over the next few weeks. We'll see how this goes. We're going to call this Joseph's Journey. This is going to be our series we're, we're going to look into some, some things. We're going to be in Genesis chapter number 37 today. So if you have that, let's turn there. If not, it'll be on the screen. Uh, and we're going to read verses 1 through 11. Amen? How many is ready to receive today from the Word? I'm ready. Uh, and let, let's go. Chapter number 37, verses 1 through 11. And Jacob dealt, dwelt in the land wherein his father was a stranger in the land of Canaan. These are the generations of Jacob. Joseph, being 17 years old, was feeding his flock with his brethren, and, and the lad was with the sons of Bilhah and the sons of Zilpah, his father's wives. And Joseph brought unto his father their evil report. Look at your neighbor and say evil report. Now, Israel loved Joseph. When it talks about Israel here, it's talking about Jacob being the father, right? Now, Israel loved Joseph more than all his children. Because he was the son of his old age and he made him a coat of many colors. And when his brethren saw that their father loved him more than all his brethren, they hated him and could not speak peaceably unto him. And Joseph dreamed a dream and he told it to his brethren and they hated him yet the more. And he said unto them, here, I pray you this dream, which I have dreamed for behold, we are binding sheaves in the field, and lo, my sheep arose and also stood upright. And behold, your sheep stood around about and made obstinance to the sheep. And his brethren said unto him, Shalt thou indeed reign over us, or shalt thou indeed have dominion over us? And they hated him yet the more for his dreams and for his words. And he dreamed yet another dream and told it to his brethren and said, Behold, I have dreamed a dream more, and behold, the sun and the moon and the eleven stars made obstinate to me. 
and told it to his father and to his brethren. And his father rebuked him and said unto him, What is this dream that thou hast dreamed? Shall I and shall thy mother and thy brethren indeed come to bow down ourselves to thee in the earth? And his brethren envied him, but his father observed the same. His father observed the same. I titled this message today, A Rose Amongst Thorns. A Rose Amongst Thorns. Let's bow our heads and our hearts and let's pray today. Father, in the name of Jesus, we come before you. Father, I declare healing over this house. I declare provisions over this house. Lord, we, we are here today to feast at your feet. We are here today to receive the word with gladness today. And Father, we just pray, Lord, that, that we would have ears to hear what the Spirit says unto the church right this very moment. Lord, we need an on-time word. We need a fresh word. We need manna from heaven that comes down to feed our soul right now in this place. I pray that you would increase and that I would decrease. And everybody in the church body said, Amen. Look at your neighbor and say, A rose amongst thorns. A rose amongst thorns. You may be seated in God's presence for just a few moments. A rose amongst thorns. In, in, our, in our message last week on Joseph, we took a hard look at his background. And we discovered that his family was marked by vice and marked by violence. His family was a mess. Amen. Uh, how many can relate that your family... Uh, Though it may not be some of your doing, it could not be any of your doing. I mean, would understand that sometimes our families can be a mess. We can struggle through some things. But this godly man, he grew up in some, some very ungodly situations. He grew up in this ungodly soil, if you will. He was born amongst confusion. He was born amongst calamity. He was born amongst chaos. And nevertheless, God took Joseph and he used him in a mighty and a monumental way. And, and we said our past does not define us. How many knows that? That your past does not define you. But rather how we respond to the challenges and difficulties, that's what defines who we are and where we be, what we become and where we are headed. Okay? So that gives me hope as a parent. It gives me hope as a pastor. It gives us hope as a people today. That if God can take and he can do uh, for Joseph and, and take him out of a bad situation, that, that he can take my children and use them for his glory. I said he can take my children and use them for his glory. He can take your children and use them for his glory. If he can do that for Joseph, he can take you and me and he can use us, each one of us, for his glory. Amen? So it, it doesn't take long reading through the Bible that that you soon discover that God specializes in taking what appears to be mediocre and mainstream and common and makes something magnificent out of it. Amen? So I'm thankful that the potter doesn't throw away the clay. Aren't you thankful today that, that, that God doesn't throw the clay away? I'm thankful that, that when others could not see my value, that God's seen me as His kingdom vessel. I said, when others didn't see my value, God seen a kingdom vessel. God seen something useful. God, God sees you differently than everyone else sees you. Amen? See, you see your insufficiencies. You see your lack. You see your inabilities to, to move forward. You see your, 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 
your, your struggles in life. But, but God doesn't see us that way. God sees us differently than everyone else sees you. People will define your issue, but God sees you as his son and his daughter. Amen. He sees us today. If you're born again today, he sees you as his son and he sees you as his daughter. I don't know about you, but that makes me feel good today. There's something about, I remember my mother when I was younger and, and she passed away in 2015, but she would always say when we, she was introducing one of us, I'm one of five boys, she would say, this is my son. And I don't know about you, but something inside of me would rise up. And I don't know about you, but when the Lord says that you are a son and daughter, something on the inside of me comes alive. And I realize it's no longer about me, but it's all about him. And I'm a son of the Most High King today. How about you? Are you a son and daughter today? So as we begin to consider the verses in Genesis that speak about the life of Joseph, we're going to see just how different he was from the rest of his family. Anybody different here from the rest of your family members? Anybody been called a black sheep in your family? Right? It is astounding that a young man who grew up in the same household, in the same home, under the same conditions, and the same environment as his 11 brothers and one sisters, that they could all be so different. Amen? If you have more than one child, or if you have come out of a family with multiple siblings, you have seen this with your very eyes. You've seen how your, your, your children can be so different than one another. You realize how much different you can be. No two children are alike. And sometimes they, they are like daylight and dark. Amen? And Joseph is so different that he literally stands out like a rose amongst the thorns. He stands out. He's different than everyone else. He doesn't loud this. He doesn't ask for a parade. He doesn't boast about this. But this is just who he was and his plight. So they grew up in the same home, but separate mindsets. Our lives as Christians do not demand, listen, they do not demand separation in proximity, you understand, but rather sanctification in identity. We need to be separated unto God. We need to be set aside for God in our identity of who we are as God's people. We are in this world, but we're not of the world. Amen? In 2 Corinthians 6 and 17, it says, Wherefore, come out from among them, and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and do not touch the unclean thing, and I will receive you. The implication is, if you don't come out from amongst the world, the Lord will not receive you. This is His wording. So there has to be this identification. There has to be this separation that happens in the life of every believer. The implication also is that if we do not create separation and identity, then we will not receive he will not receive us in eternity. Okay? So we have to stand out. Look at your neighbor and say, we got to stand out. That doesn't mean we need to come up in here in clown suits or anything like that to try to stand out. Because some people will, will, will go to great extremes to try to stand out. Amen? In this generation, that, that is the thing. That is the invoke thing. We're going to stand out. But we as believers, there's another way that we can stand out. How do we stand out? Number one, if you're taking notes today, we're talking about Joseph today. Number one, the purity of Joseph's life. We see the purity. Look at your neighbor and say the purity. The purity of Joseph's life. One of the most striking ways that Joseph was different was in the purity of his life. Every time you see Joseph, he was doing the right thing. Amen? 
And this made him very different from his brothers. Okay? You see him living in purity. You see him living in a place of integrity and having a desire to do the right things at all times. And it marked the life of Joseph. Amen? Now, I've seen people that have grown up, that have struggled through life, that had a bad name as a child. Anybody? Can you think of anybody? Not, maybe not somebody in this room, but you, you, you know that, that sometimes as a child, you can create a bad name for yourself. And that could start at an early age. And sometimes it's hard to shed those thoughts that people may have toward you. But can I tell you, you can shed all that behavior. I said, you can shed that no matter where you've grown up. If you, you say, Pastor, I'm from the other side of the tracks. Listen, God goes to the other side of the tracks. God can deal with those types of things. He can deal with those types of behavior. All he said is submit yourselves, therefore, unto God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. And you can start afresh right there in your life. Listen, Joseph's life was not marked by his past, nor was it marked by his other family members. Amen? So verse number two brings us and it brings us face to face with the heart of Joseph and who this man was. We are told that Joseph was tending his father's sheep with his half brothers, the son of Bilhah and the son of Zilpah. OK, now you might remember that Bilhah in was was Rachel's handmaid and Zilpah was Leah's handmaid. Now, that's a we know this is a mess, right? And we might remember that Bilhah was, was Rachel's handmaid and, and, and Zilpah was, was Leah's handmaid. These two women had been given to Jacob by his wives and he had fathered two children by each of them. Okay? So the house is starting to really grow quickly. All right? And so the sons of, of Zilpah were Gad and Asher, the sons of Bilhah, were Dan and Naphtali. These were some, these were four of the tribes of Israel, the 12 tribes, four of the 12 tribes. Now we know this is a mess, right? Anybody know what I'm talking about? How, how many agrees that what we have endeavored upon already in finding out how many wives that 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 Joseph or Jacob had and 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 how all of this came about, this was a mess of a situation. Does anybody know? And has anybody grown up in a situation that seemed to be just a big mess? Struggles everywhere. Seem to be you're never going to get out of this. You're, you're just going to be a product of your environment. Everything is just going to be the same sort of thing. So it's a mess of a situation. So as you read the story, you get the impression that this is the first time that Joseph has been sent out to work with these men, with his own brothers, his half-brothers. And what he saw them doing must have shocked him deeply. This may have been Joseph's first exposure to the vile nature of his very own brothers. Okay? So the brothers of Joseph were very much evil. You say, Pastor, how do you know that they were evil? Well, you got to read the book of Genesis. And among other things, they were guilty of murder in, in Genesis chapter number 34. They were guilty of incest in Genesis chapter number 35. They were guilty of hatred in Genesis chapter number 37. They were guilty of envy in Genesis chapter number 37. They were guilty of enslaving their brother in Genesis 37. They were guilty of lying in Genesis 30, 37. And they were guilty of immorality in Genesis chapter number 38. They struggled. They had issues. How many would say that they had some deep-seated issues, right? But whatever it was these men were doing, we don't know what they were doing to the fight. We don't know, have no idea what was going on and why Joseph had to step in. 
But it shocked Joseph so much that he came and he told his, his father Jacob and gave him an evil report of his brothers. Okay? We don't know exactly what they were doing, but the word evil, uh, evil in, this, in, this, in this text is where we get the word vex. Okay? The word vex, he was grieved to the point of anger for his father of what he witnessed. Joseph was grieved at what his brothers were doing. Grieved to the point of anger. You know, one thing I've always appreciated about my, specifically my older brothers that would try to keep me on track, is that when I was doing something I wasn't supposed to do, they would slap me on the back of the head and say, you better get things right. Amen? Now, we don't like it in the moment. We don't like the other siblings telling us what to do. We say, Mom, Dad, you know, they were doing this and they were doing that. But I want to say today, I am where I am today because I had some brothers that cared enough about me to keep me on the straight and narrow. And so here we are with Joseph, and he was grieved to the point of anger of what was going on with his father's sheep amongst his brethren. So this event surely caused problems between Joseph with the rest of his brothers. He's the youngest sibling, right? The youngest sibling don't get to do anything. The youngest sibling don't even get to talk. The youngest sibling just has to be seen and not heard, right? And, and you just take a back seat. But it, 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 listen, it may have been this seed that was plotted uh, and this root of bitterness that rose up inside of the hearts of his brother that just simply began to grow that caused all the hatred and the animosity that we see here in Genesis chapter number 37. Hatred was built up. And some authors accuse uh, Joseph as being a talebearer. That he just went about telling his father everything that the younger siblings were going and getting them in trouble. Can you imagine how that was creating problems in the household? The younger brother telling everything. They believe that Joseph brought about the hatred of his brothers because he acted like, you know, uh, what's a good phrase? Goody two shoes. He was better than everybody else. Else, he he was he became this snitch. And and in reality, Joseph displayed. I want you to see this. Joseph displayed absolute integrity in going to his father with the evil report concerning his brothers. I thank God that there are those that have my back and my interest when I'm not around. I'm gonna say that one more time. I thank God that there are people that have my back when I'm not around and have my best interest in mind, that will speak on my behalf. And you thank God for those people too. We all thank God that there are individuals in our life when somebody says, well, you know about so-and-so. and -and No, 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 no. That ain't how it is, right? So we all need people in life that have our best interest in mind when we are not around. And this is what Joseph was doing effectively for his father. Joseph had the responsibility of his father. Whatever his brothers were doing, it involved, listen, it involved the flocks of Jacob. So it involved his good name in the area. I mean, you got to protect your name. And so Joseph was there to protect his father's name. And he needed to know what was going on with his sons. And Joseph did the right thing when he went to Jacob and he told him about the evil deeds of his brothers. Okay? And I want you to see this. Number one, everyone, listen, every one of our lives should be marked by purity. Every one of our lives should be marked by purity. Amen? 
Look at your neighbor and say, we must be marked by purity. We must be marked by purity. The God that we serve is a holy God and he expects his people to live holy. Amen. First Peter chapter number one, verse number 16. Be ye holy for I am holy. You know, holiness in this generation is a curse word. Because people that are that are 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 coveting the things of this world, that word does not does not do anything for them. It it does not bring listen, but we are to live a life of purity, and the Bible says that we are to be holy for he is holy. We've got to come out from among the world and be separate. That's this picture of Joseph. Amongst his other 11 brothers is a picture of how we are to come out of society and be separate unto a world. You can be the one of 11. You can be the one that comes out. You can be the one that don't have to go and do that. So you say, well, pastor, you don't know where I grew up and how I grew up. Listen, I know people that have grown up in all different types of places and it doesn't have anything to do with how you grew up. It has to do with the mindset that you have after you've grown up. Am I going to rise above the situation that I'm in currently? Am I going to be holy for he is holy? Listen, he wants us to stand separate from this world and its evil ways. We are to create a separation. There should be this great gulf of fix. It doesn't mean that we are literally moved out of this world and we legitimately are somewhere else and we have gone to another place in space. Listen, we are to be in the world, but not of the world. So he wants us to be different. We should be different in the ways that we act. We should be different in the ways that we walk, the ways that we talk, the ways that we think, the ways that we live. We should be different and also purity should be the hallmark quality of our lives. A place of purity. So we see every one of our lives should be marked with purity. Number two, we, we should always strive to do the right thing in every situation. Amen. I didn't get any amens on that. We should all strive to do the right thing in every situation. We, we, we should all strive. Our lives should be marked by integrity. Amen. So there are plenty of people who are willing to do the wrong thing. Amen. There, there's, there's plenty of those people, especially if it makes life easier for them. But we should always do the right thing in spite of of the personal cost that comes along with it. It would have been easier for Joseph to just cover up what his brothers was doing. Amen? It would have just been easier for him to cover up what his brothers were doing. It, it would have been easier still to have joined them in their sin. Right? It would have been easier to just say, you know what, let's just go with the flow. Let's just go with the crowd. And that's what this generation wants us to do. Is just fall in line. Just get in step with this world. No, no, no. We can't do that. There has to be a separation in the hearts and the minds and the lives of God's people. He was determined. Joseph was determined to do the right thing, even if it cost him everything. And so in Mark chapter number eight, verse number 36, the Bible says, but what would it profit a man to gain the whole world and lose his own soul? What would a man give in exchange for his soul? 
I don't know about you, but I would give everything that I've got. And that's what it's like. We have to live in a place of purity. We have to live in a place of separation. We have to live in a place where our lives are set apart, meet for the master's use for God in this life. Because listen, I'm going to tell you something. It's easy to go with the flow. It's easy to go with society. It's easy to go with those people that are rebels and, and people that hate God's word and hate the things of God. And We see darkness all around us. But listen, we've got to be a light in the midst of this dark world. Let your light so therefore shine before men so they see your good works. They will glorify your heavenly Father which art in heaven. Matthew 5, 16. We've got to let our light shine in this final hour. Listen, I'm, I'm afraid that we're letting our lights dim out. We're letting the candles grow colder and we're letting, we're letting life just get past us. We've got to let our light shine in this final hour. So for Joseph, it could have been very easy for him to just simply tell a little white lie. He could have just went along with the flow to keep the heat off of himself. And, and how many's ever felt, honestly, you felt the pressure of telling the lie? Everyone, if you're not raising your hand, you're lying right now. You felt the pressure of the lie. You felt the pressure to conform to the lie. You felt the pressure of doing what everyone else was doing. But I'm not here to tell you today, don't do it. Don't fall prey to it. Always be above board in all of your dealings. It's easy to cut corners at school. It's easy to cut corners at work so you will fit in with the crowd. But don't do it. Do the right thing at all costs, even when it's not the most popular thing to do. You've got to do what's right, even when it's not right amongst other people. Another thing I want to say is one other lesson has to do with the proper use of the tongue. Okay? The proper use of the tongue. We should never be guilty of being a talebearer. Amen? Proverbs 26 says, where there's no talebearer, strife ceases. Right? We've all been on the receiving end of somebody coming to us and saying, Do you know what this person did? Or did you hear about? And, uh, you know, I'll promise to tell you it if you won't tell anybody. We've all heard that type of stuff when somebody was supposed to have promised not to tell them and they ended up telling you it's a whole different story. It just keeps going down the road, right? Tailbearer. So one of the lessons has, has to do, listen, with the proper use of the tongue. So if there is something, hear me, if there's something you must tell, here's the thing, be sure to tell the right person. Joseph didn't go to some John Doe or so-and-so down the street. Joseph went to his father. He didn't even go to his other brethren. He didn't go to all the other 17 wives. He didn't go to all those people. He didn't go to, he didn't, why? Because he, he's not a, he wasn't a talebearer. He's not a talebearer. So Joseph told his father and told him alone. He told his father in an effort, here's the thing, to stop the evil. That was the ultimate thought process. So listen, a gossip always tells the wrong person. They are not trying to stop evil, but they're trying to spread evil. So if you must tell something, always tell the truth and always tell the right person. And that's just what Joseph did. He did not embellish the, flat, the facts. He, he simply told them as they were. A gossip loves to add to or subtract from the details as it suits their agenda. Right? So he told the truth, he told the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. 
But understand, here's the thing about truth. Truth makes you a target. Truth will always make you a target. You know how I know? Because we're having culture days at the school these days. And, and, and they've got all this stuff plastered all over the walls. And you know all these religions across the, 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 the world, if you will, you know, the, uh, there, some various religions have somewhere in upwards of 400 million different gods and, and, and different things that are, are represented amongst some of these religions. And I'm not going to go into all the religions today. That, there's no point in doing that. But, you know, there, there, is, there is a culture that says we will accept anything, anything, hear me, beloved, but Christianity. Why? Because Jesus said, I am the way and I am the truth. No man comes to the Father except by me. That's an inclusive gospel that says you do this and you'll receive that. It's only through Jesus Christ that you get to the Father. These other religions, you can do all kinds of things. You can jump through hoops. You can even do works. You can worship all these types of false idols. But the reason Christianity is under attack is because it is an inclusive, if you will, religion. It's all about Jesus. The name of Jesus is under attack. Christianity is under attack. The culture war is about eliminating everything that has to do with righteousness and holiness. And that's why the laws are being rewritten. And everything and anything is just acceptable in society today. People don't even know their gender, as I talked about last week. What do you identify with? His, her, they, them, how, whatever. Really? How did we get here? People are refusing truth. So you have to understand that if you stand for truth, you will become a target for the enemy. You have to be able to accept that, and that's where Joseph was at. He stood for truth. But here's the other thing about truth. The Bible says the truth will set you free. So if you stand for truth, then freedom enters in. I don't know about you, but when I have been able to speak truth, when I've been able to lay it all on the table and tell the whole story and didn't hold out in part, I was able to lay my head on my pillow at night and sleep like a baby. Why? Because you're able to lay out the truth. The truth will make you free. So the option to do right is always on the table, and the option to do wrong is also always on the table. So truth is never far, but sometimes feared. You want to live in freedom? Be open and honest and be truthful in all your endeavors. Lies build more lies. When you lie, you are of your father, the devil. That's what the Bible says. And he also says all liars will have their place in the lake of fire. And if you noticed how one lie has to continue on with another lie, and it just is like a domino effect. You got to keep telling. You got to keep telling that lie, and you got to keep uh, spinning it and doing it and, and twisting it your way. But truth builds confidence to tell more truth, and the truth always will set you free. It'll set your conscience free. It didn't set. Joseph free literally because at some point he ended up in a prison. His physical circumstance had nothing to do with what was going on the inside. So you can be bound all around you but still be set free on the inside. And so here he was in a place. So number one, we see purity. Look at your neighbor and say purity. 
Number two, I want you to see the promotion of Joseph's life. And those two always run hand in hand. Purity will bring forth promotion. Okay? And, and these verses, in verses 3 and 4, they tell us about the atmosphere within the home of Joseph. And we'll read them again. And, and, and it says, Now Israel loved Joseph more than all the children because he was the son of his old age. And he made him a coat of many colors. Verse 4, And when his brethren saw that their father loved him more than all his brothers, they hated him and could not speak peaceably unto him. Jacob loved Joseph more, the Bible says, than all his other children. Now, Jacob should have known better than this. Amen? After all, he grew up in a home that rife with favoritism. In his home, his mother Rebekah favored Jacob, while his father Isaac favored Esau. Okay? This favoritism brought forth envy, it brought forth strife, it brought forth trouble into that home. So as parents, we must be careful that we do not favor one child over another. Amen? Children should be treated as equals as much as possible. You may parent each one of them differently, but listen, they are equal. Amen? You must parent them differently. How many knows you've got to parent some of these children differently, right? Some of them don't get it on the first try. You've got to parent them differently, but they're all equal. And it appears from the text that Jacob has chosen Joseph to be the head of his household on his death, deathbed. And this is indicated by the statements because he was the son of his old age. And he made him a coat of many colors, right? And let's consider these two statements here just for a moment. The phrase, because he was the son of his old age, can refer to the fact that Jacob at this point was now 91 years old. Now, how many knows that's a miracle in and of itself? Amen? So he was 91 when, when, when Joseph was born. He, he had waited many years on this child of his beloved Rachel. And when Joseph was born, his heart's desire was realized. But here's another possibility. The phrase can also be translated in the Hebrew because he was a whitehead on young shoulders. So the first statement I mentioned, the phrase, because he was the son of his old age, could also be translated because he was a whitehead on his young shoulders. So this might mean that Jacob saw wisdom and strength of character in Joseph that was missing in the rest of his sons. I mean, no, sometimes you can pinpoint things in your children that don't always trickle down to the other ones. So Jacob is 108 years old when these events take place. He does not know how much longer he is going to live. So he needs one of his sons to take over when he dies. Okay, the eldest son is Reuben. He disqualified himself by committing incest with Jacob's concubine, Bilhah. We've seen that in Genesis chapter number 35. So these brothers... Each one of them, they, they simply dismiss themselves and disqualify themselves. So then it becomes Jacob's turn. Then it becomes Joseph's turn. Look at your neighbor and say, Joseph. So the oldest sons, they had messed up. And how many know sometimes when, 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 when family members or people start to mess up around you, all of a sudden they, they're just waiting for you to mess up too. 
They're just waiting for you to do something that's going to get you into trouble. And, and sometimes they'll even fabrica- fabricate some lies to try to get you in some trouble. And that's what they were trying to do with Joseph. So we see God still tries. Listen to me, beloved. All sorts of stuff's happened here. You got multiple marriages. You got multiple women involved. You got one man. You got multiple children now. You got all of this animosity. You got hate. You got incest. You got bitter envy, strife. All sorts of stuff's taking place right now, right? All kinds of different things that we've talked about over the past two weeks. But here's what I want to say God can still work in the midst of dysfunction. God can still work. It does not matter where you can. You say, Pastor, you don't understand. My parents were on drugs. My daddy ran from my mama. He did this sort of thing. Listen, I'm here to tell you that God can move in the midst of disruption and dysfunction. He can move in your midst. If you just let him, if you just open up your heart and your mind, if you just live a life in a place of integrity, God can use you. don't have to go down the same road everybody else goes down. You can take the detour wherever you want, whenever you want, however you want, and stay on track with God, just like Joseph. You don't have to live in a place of dysfunction. So, so we are told that Joseph, or Jacob made Joseph this coat of many colors, right? We, we seem to picture this as being a little striped coat that, that screamed that somehow that Joseph was special, that he's the special child. And indeed, that obviously is what was taking place. Or something like, the Father loves me more than you. How many children have ever said that about their parents? Well, I know Dad loves you more than he loved me because he gave you more of an allowance than he did me. You forgot to talk about the fact you didn't do as much work. You left out some of the detailed things to allow you to think that God or the Dad loved this one better than the other one. But this coat screamed that, that Joseph was the favorite with the Father. I don't know about you today, but I feel like God's favorite today. I feel like I'm the Lord's favorite. Any favorites in the building today? Do you just feel the love of God upon your life? Do you feel the blessings of God upon your life? Do you feel like you've got the coat of many colors on today because God's been better to me and better to you than he has your neighbor today? I don't know about you, but I feel like God has taken me on as his favorite. I'm thankful today. That I got on metaphorically my coat of many colors and that I'm special. I'm the apple of his eye today. And here Joseph is in the same position with Jacob. And he's got on this coat of many colors. And this word literally means, this word literally means in the Hebrew, a shirt with long sleeves. Okay? This was a special type of garment that was multicolored. And it was very much heavily ornamented. So it had all of these attachments to it. It was striped, it was flamboyant, it was bright, it, 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 it was, you could see it from afar off. It was a standout garment. Amen? It was a standout garment. So it would have been, it had long sleeves and it would have went clear down to his ankles. Okay? It marked its wearer as a chieftain. What I mean by that is one that's head over a particular thing. Okay? He was like the leader of the pack, if you will. And this type of garment was not worn by just some common, ordinary person. This type of garment was not worn by some common worker or anything. It was only worn by overseers and it was worn by royalty and those who were above work. So this garment was worn by the heir. So when Jacob gave this coat to Joseph, it identified him as his father's choice 
to his replacement as the head of the family. It identified him as the superior son in the family. That cult told his other brothers, you don't report to Jacob anymore. You report to me. You can imagine how big of a target he was. So this was a big deal in the families of that era. The head of the household literally held absolute life and death authority over all the members of the family. The, the, the head of the home, the head of the family literally made the life decisions of that family. So when the brothers of Joseph saw him wearing the garment, they knew exactly where he stood in the pecking order within the family. So Joseph carried himself well and he earned the respect of his father. And as time went on, his father gave him more and more responsibility. And he continued to wear this coat of many colors. He carried himself so well and proved himself to be so trustworthy that his father appointed him to be the heir of his place as head of the family. And by the way, this position would have also entitled Joseph to be and to have and receive a double portion of his father's inheritance. All of his goods, double portion. So all of this attention from Jacob toward Joseph created jealousy amongst his brothers. And in fact, we are told that they hated him and could not speak peaceably to him. Right? That word hated literally means, it's, it's a very strong word. It has the idea of persons or things that are detested and despised and with which one wishes to have no contact or relationship with that person. Ever felt that way? Ever felt and been on the receiving end of that type of behavior? And so the brothers of Joseph wanted nothing to do with him at all. They didn't have any kind, any kind word for Joseph. In fact, their hatred grew with each passing day. And you see this is in verses 5, 4 and 5, and then again in verses 8, and then again in verse number 11. You see how this whole thing played out. But there's a lot of background that we have just read from this text. There's a lot of things that's happened. There's a lot of things that's in motion. But I want to take a few points out of this real quick. Number one... When we live a life of integrity and holiness, the father notices. Jacob noticed his son Joseph. Notice the fact that he was a man of integrity. Notice the fact that he wasn't like his other brethren. So Jacob noticed Joseph and God, here's the thing, God will notice us. God notices his his people. So when we are faithful in our service to Him, He will promote us to greater services and greater acts of service in this life. We see this in Matthew chapter number 25, verse number 20, 21, where it says, you have been faithful over little. This was Jesus saying this. That I will make you ruler over much. If you haven't been faithful over the little things, how can you be ruler over many things? And see, people that have a bad attitude toward life and have a bad attitude towards somebody else progressing and moving forward, see that as, as some type of a setback when all they've got to have is a spirit of integrity. All you got to do in this life is do the right thing, and God will see that, and God will notice that. And listen, God noticed Joseph, and moreover, Jacob noticed Joseph in the text. So we see here that when we live a life of integrity, God notices those things. Secondly, when we are promoted, we must not boast about those achievements. Amen. Amen. I, over the years, I, I've, I've been 
blessed to receive certain awards. And can I tell you where they're all at right now? And I'm not saying we shouldn't post our awards. They're all in a box in the basement. Because I realized something about myself, and I'm not saying that we shouldn't post things and do stuff in our house, and if we got an award, we shouldn't. I'm not saying that, but I'm saying we've got to be careful to not allow pride to grow up and rise, rise up inside of our spirit and in our life. We've got to be careful. We've got to guard our hearts from pride. And so, when we are promoted, we must not boast about our achievements any advancement in the spirit realm is purely a good grace of God working in the lives of his people. It's all about God and not about us. Anything good in me is not because I'm good, but because God's good. Amen. And God is working through us. So the father will always be the one to say in the end, the father will always be the one to say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. And I don't know about you, but I'm looking forward to that day. But that, that, that verbiage is not set aside for anybody else. That's set aside for God the Father. And thirdly, I want to say, when others prosper and are promoted, we must guard against becoming jealous. Okay? When others prosper and are promoted, we must guard against becoming jealous. Instead of being angry, that they are progressing, we should be thankful what the Lord is doing in their lives. Amen? Your true self is revealed in how you respond to the promotions of others. Your true self is, is revealed when you see and respond to the blessings of others, or the achievements of others, or the advancements, not, not of yourself, but of others. Not your advancements, but others' advancements. How do you receive how other people are blessed? How do you take that in? How do you feel about other people when you are in need of something and they get it? Can you rejoice with them that rejoice? When you're in need of finances and you see a blessing hit your brother or sister, an, un, you know, an, an, an unexplained blessing that comes by the grace and the mercy of God, can you rejoice with them? Can you rejoice? So we, 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 we have to be careful to protect ourselves we have to be careful when other people are being promoted when other people's blessings and, and achievements and, and and advancements they're not of ourselves that we can go alongside of them and we can rejoice with them amen everyone can clap for themselves but can we clap for others amen can we clap for others we are we are a separate people we are a, a holy nation we are we are set apart for God's use we must rejoice with the people that... Re I remember some years ago, my brother came to me and he said he, he, he had posted something on Facebook and how many knows that's, that's a mess in and of itself, but he posted this picture of his house. This big house, it's a beautiful house. He posted this and not very many people liked it. And, and he came to me and he said, he said Tim, he goes, uh, what, what, what do you think happened? And, and he was just kind of worried. He's that type of person. He's worried about what everybody thinks about everything and all, all sorts of, and everything becomes an issue with him. He's like, man, did I do something wrong? Do I need to call seven people on the phone and apologize? I'm like, no. Sometimes people struggle with coming alongside of your blessing. Not everybody's going to like where you are in life. Not everybody's going to be happy about the fact that you're successful. 
Not everybody's going to be happy about what the Lord is doing in your life. Even people that, that you would think would be happy for you may not be the ones that loud your praises the loudest. Sometimes the people that are supposed to be cheering us on are sitting back on their hands. And you, you could have a stranger cheer you on before. So I told him, I said, you know what? You might have 10 likes. But who cares? You're the one has got to go home to that house every day. You're experiencing the blessings of God. We don't need man's affirmation. We've got God's affirmation on this thing. And so we live in a place of that. So number one, we see purity. Number two, we see promotion. Number three, we see the promise of Joseph's life. The promise. The promise. We see this is in verses 5 through 11. And we don't have time. You can go back in your spare time and read all these texts again. But as trouble was brewing in this family, and we know trouble's brewing. We see it. We feel it. We all know we wouldn't handle most of this in culture today. God was working in the life of Joseph. That's important. God spoke to Joseph in two dreams. And in these dreams, God revealed some of the plans that he had for Joseph's life. Verses 5 through 8, you see the first dream was, was Joseph and his brothers. And I'm going to try to land the plane here in just a few moments. We see the first dream which Joseph and his brothers were gathering grain in the field. And they were cutting weed and binding it into the sheaves. And in this dream, Joseph's sheaves stood up and the sheaves belonging to his brothers bowed down before it. You remember the story. His brothers immediately interpreted the dream to mean that Joseph would one day rule over them. And they reacted not with joy. They were angry. Amen? They, they defiled, listen, they defied the dream and hated Joseph even the more than they did before. Then you see the second dream in verses 9 through 11. So you see one dream and then you see two dreams. The second dream consisted of the sun, the moon, and the 11 stars all bowing down to Joseph. Now we're going to get to this over the next, I can't, I can't give you all the recaps of what's going to happen over the next several weeks, but we see the second dream that's happened. You've got the sun, the moon, the 11 stars, they're bowing before Joseph. So this time he's not only, he not only tells his brothers, but he also tells his father. And Jacob immediately understands the implication of the dream and he issues a mild rebuke to his son. And we are told that he Jacob, Joseph's father, observed the same. He observed it. This means to take heed to. He was all ears. Jacob is having his choice of Joseph confirmed, because that's the choice son that he wanted, confirmed in two separate dreams by the son that's going to be confirmed. Okay? And now God is speaking through Joseph and it seems, listen, it seems as though to his brothers that God is playing favoritism. You ever felt that way? You don't have to raise your hand. <laughs> they see all of these things and they become increasingly jealous of their brother. But you want to know something that they wasn't jealous about? They wasn't jealous of him doing the right thing. 
They was jealous of the fact that all of a sudden a double portion of dad's goods is now going to go to them or him and they won't receive it. That's less that's got coming to me now. They wasn't, listen, they wasn't jealous of the fact that he gave all of his life to God, that he walked uprightly before the Lord. Listen, we got to get our priorities straight. We got to live in conjunction with God's word. And when we do, jealousy won't rise up if you're doing the right thing. But it's easy to become jealous of somebody else that can do the right thing. Amen. So these dreams are the first indication that God has big plans for Joseph. And eventually, they will be completely fulfilled. And I would imagine that, that it is these dreams that sustain Joseph. Listen, these dreams are what sustain Joseph in the pit, in the palace, and in the prison. These dreams that God gave him, these promises, if you will, is what we would call them, that God gave him are the things that was going to keep him in his darkest hour. Can I tell you today, hold on to the promises of God that he's put in your heart. Some of you right now are holding on to some promises that you have not seen come to pass for decades, but you're still holding on to that thing. Keep holding on. So I'm going to give you two words and then I'm going to close this thing down. And I'm going to ask Pastor Sandra and the whole team to come back because we're going to pray. We're going to do some praise and worship again. She didn't know I was going to do this and neither did I. But two points real quick before I close down. There is a word here about hope. In his dreams, Joseph received the shadow of his promise from the Lord. It was a shadow, a glimpse of what God was going to do for Joseph. See, God will never leave you completely in the dark. He will give you bits and pieces along the way. Just enough nourishment to get you to the next stage. You ever notice that? He don't show you the big picture. He don't show you the big motif. He don't show you all that. He gives you little bits at a time. So as you walk by faith and not by sight, God will keep leading you along the way. And then he'll give you another thing for this, the journey ahead of you. God always gives us what we need in the moment. And so there was a glimmer of hope for Joseph. He held on to those dreams and they sustained him through some very trying times. The dreams were a reminder of the, dis the destination, but listen, was also a reminder of God's deliverance. God ultimately, listen, and sometimes you, you just got to be reminded that God will see you through the whole thing. You can't see it. In the midst of the storm, you're trying to figure out, how am I going to get out of this? In a place of sickness, you're trying to figure out, God, what's going to do? What I've, I've did all that I can do. And you just got to place it in the Lord's hand. And God will see you through to that destination. Listen, God is ultimately our deliverer. Amen. So then, lastly, there is a word here for about hatred. We got to be careful. When you serve the Lord and you live clean and follow the dream God has given you, some people are going to rise up against you. Don't be surprised when you're hated for following the Lord. They hated him and they're going to hate us in John 15 verses 18 through 19. And I'm going to close here in just a second. If the world hated you. You know that it also hated me before it hated you. If ye were of the world, this is Jesus speaking, the world would love his own. But because ye are not of this world, 
But I have chosen you out of this world, therefore the world hateth you. Because I've called you out. Because you're separate and you're holy and set apart for the king, for his use. I want you to understand that life is not easy, but with God it's obtainable. And this message is so prudent. Stand to your feet if you're able to. Pastor Sander and team, whole team if you would come. Our whole worship team. I want you to understand that life is going to be really, really tough. I believe in the days and weeks and months ahead, years ahead, that things are not going to get easier. Things are going to get more difficult. The love of many are going to wax colder and colder in that end time that I believe that we're in right now. I believe the struggles that we're going to deal with is going to become something that we never thought we would have to live through, but by God's grace. You say, Pastor, are you preaching a message of fear today? No, no, no. I'm saying we've got to be ready. See, a good watchman will tell you what's on the horizon, not just about everything else. Listen, we could talk about everything other than the weather. We could talk about what, what's going on in society outside of the spiritual aspect. But if I don't tell you what's on the horizon, I'm not doing you a good service. I'm here as a watchman saying we've got to watch and we've got to pray. Seek the Lord. Get close to God. The old saints would say, grab hold of the horns of the altar and let's pray through. Let's get close to the Lord. Listen, it's no time to figure out how, how chummy and how, how, how intimate we can get with the world. We can't do that. We've got to be close to God. And we've got examples throughout the Scripture. Pastor Sandra, I would like for you to play here in just a little bit. Victory, victory shall be mine. Can we play that in just a few moments? We've got to be careful not to get too close to the world. And, and, and some of you are here today and you say, you say, Brother Tim, uh, I, I've got so much going on in my life. My life is so messed up. First step, submit yourselves unto God. First step. And can I tell you that first step will alter every other step in your life. It will alter how you think about where you're going home to and what you're going home to and, and the work environment that you're about to go back to tomorrow. It will alter your mindset of everything, the school that you're going into and, and how you view that. When you submit yourself unto God, everything else changes. It's a change on the inside of it. The old has passed away. All things become new as we surrender our life to Christ. So as Pastor Sander and the team play here in just a few moments, I want you to just lift up your hands toward heaven. Come on, I want to, maybe you've never done this before in your entire life. Maybe you're like, Pastor, I, I don't know what this is all about. When we lift up our hands toward heaven, this is a sign of surrender.